Welcome to the I Now Pronounce You Divorced podcast, where we have three award-winning family law attorneys dive into intriguing topics like divorce, military divorce, custody and visitation, trust and estate planning, and all things family law. Join us as we provide a comprehensive viewpoint through the eyes of our experts and guests aiming to educate and soothe our listeners. Get ready to tune in because I Now Pronounce You Divorced starts right now. How do you deal with somebody, Rebecca, that, that doesn't want to know, who doesn't want to communicate, who, who tells you, look, I don't want your emails. I don't want your status letters because I don't want to pay for them. Yeah. So we've had that happen a, a couple of times. And usually it's not going to be a client that we can really work with, unfortunately. And because we've seen it just come back to bite us every time. So we've had clients that have said, you know, I, I don't want you to reach out to me. I don't want to get anything. I don't want letters. I don't want emails. I don't want anything unless I ask you a question. Like I'll reach out to you when I have a question. And then that's when I want to have a response. Um, the most recent example of a client who did that to us. And we said, okay, great. We'll, we'll do our best to work with you. Um, two months later, she, she fired us. She hired another attorney. She filed a bar complaint. She, you know what I mean? Demanded a refund. Like it was just a whole situation that it didn't need to be. And so I think if we have a client that comes in and says, I want to operate completely differently than everything that you all do as an organization, we have to just be upfront and say, look, this is not a relationship that's going to work out with us long-term. We're very upfront in our whole intake process about this is how we operate. We're proactive. We're actively reaching out to you. You know, we have a full-time client concierge who's also going to touch base with you and make sure everything's going okay. Um, and so then to be upset at, at receiving those communications, that's not a, a good sign in the relationship. Um, it's going to be really hard for us to, to truly partner with a client who's acting in that way and, and refusing to cooperate with the way that we do business. I, I do think that that's tough. You know, I, I think, it, you know, a lot of what people don't understand, and I've done it myself, is I've got to allow the professional that I'm hiring to do their job, Right. And, you know, some clients and me even being a client of attorneys doesn't don't always realize that, you know, yeah, I'm trying to save on an email or a communication, but I'm ultimately costing myself so much more by hamstringing my attorneys from doing what I hired this professional to do. Right. I went out. I saw everything that's great about you. I talked to your firm. I decided to hire your firm. And now I'm not going to allow you to do all the wonderful things that you could do for me. Um, you know, I obviously in what we do, we, we have attorneys that do different things for us, find myself sometimes saying, well, do they really need to know all this information? The answer is generally, if I want my, uh, if I want this professional to be able to help me, they do, right? If I go to the doctor and I told the doctor, look, you know, I've, I've been coughing, but didn't tell the doctor every other symptom I've had, I'm going to get cough drops. I'm not going to get properly diagnosed. And so I, I do think it raises such an important thing to say, I understand you don't want to share information, but let me tell you why it's important to share information. And, and in those cases, I think it's very important to take a, take a time out, have a phone call and say, look, this is it, it, getting back to, to what Dan was talking about. This is the why I need this information from you. Please understand this is what I want. This is what I want for you. If you want me to achieve your goals, this is what I want. You know, one of the things with communication is it's very simple when the communication that we're giving is, hey, this is how our organization works. This is the this is how your case is going to proceed. 
Um, you know, over last week, we, we had a, a filing come into our organization, which was very pornographic in nature and very much sent to harass our client. So, you know, we have to communicate that with the client, right? Our client gets that information as soon as we do. So, Dan, how do you handle having to per communicate with a client on something that is that, I, I want to say the word obnoxious, because we know it's obnoxious, but mm -hmm. how do you communicate with the client letting them know, like, this is what this is, this is sensitive material, yes, this is pornographic in nature, but this is what we have to do. Sure. Those are always tough, regardless of how long you've been practicing, because, you know, in, in our field of law, right, you're getting clients at their worst and they're truly airing their dirty laundry, their their secrets. And when you when you have information that you come across while there is this meeting with the client and, and that's a whole separate conversation. Right. But when you're in receipt of information that you just identified, that's just so personal in nature and, and so sensitive. The very first thing you want to do is take a step back as a practitioner. Right. And know, OK, this is for the case. And what is the best way that I can attack or approach this to make sure that my client's protected? Then you want to call the client and let them know oh, I'm in receipt of this type of document or video or photo, whatever it is. And here's why I received it. And here's what we're going to do moving forward and send them a copy of it. So they know, because th there's an explanation behind it, right? Whether it's, if you're in a state to where an affair is uh, comes into play and that could have financial implications or custody implications or whatever the case may be, you want the client to be able to see what it is that you're in possession of and get their side of the story. A lot of times practitioners will just, and it's, it's, it's being human, I get it, but they'll just jump to, oh, well, here's hard proof that my client had an affair or my client did something inappropriate. You, you have to understand the why behind that that photograph and maybe the client didn't even know and then there's other implications that you have but it's it's really just taking the time and being that professional and being that counselor and guiding the client through that rough time and you're, you're going to come across situations like this whether it's video audio photographs or the case may be but let the client know that this isn't something that's an anomaly out of the ordinary. It's it's part of the process. The other side, hopefully, was just doing their due diligence and and discovered through the discovery process. It wasn't doing anything that would be nefarious or dubious about it. But you have to just show that compassion and understanding to the client and let them know that you still you're on their side. And if it is evidence that could be prejudicial, well, here's what we're going to do or whatever the course may be. You just be straightforward and honest with the client, but you know you, you don't want to prejudge them. You don't want to you know make any type of comments. It's like oh my gosh, I can't believe I got this, or laugh or write to the client because they're like oh man. I mean I'm sure it's, it's embarrassing. It's just taking that extra step and making sure that they know that that partner they have is there through thick and thin. And sometimes it's it's through these issues that we can weed out really what's going on. But some of the best strategy comes into play. <laughs> And I'm going to ask you the same question, Rebecca. How do you handle when you get this type of information that you really don't want to pass along to your client? How, how do you right. do that? So for me, I like to reach out with a phone call first and just let them know, hey, we just got something. I'm going to be sending it to you shortly, but it's going to be upsetting. It's going to be, you know, it's it's not something that you want to see. You probably don't want to talk about it right away, but I wanted to give you a heads up and give you this courtesy call just so that you're not 
taken aback by, you know, checking your email and like, oh my gosh, what is this? Um, so that, that's the way that I like to approach it. And also not just forwarding along, this is exactly what I received, but like Dan said, you're also including, this is the reason that, that they're sending it. This is the context and this is what we're going to do next about it. You know, I, I agree so much so on that because, you know, I've had, you know, this most recent case, it, it was a picture of people involved in, you know, sexual acts that had been, it, it would be modified. By, by opposing counsel. And it would be upsetting to anybody to see themselves in, in those situations. And, and having that simple phone call beforehand, but the reality is we usually get these things at 4.30 on a Friday afternoon. You know, that's when opposing counsel likes to send them through because it's like, hey, here's that, have a great weekend. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think what, what Dan said is, is take a step back, take off your attorney hat. That, that's what we wanna do. You know, when you're talking about being a partner, we're the partner through the divorce, but we're also still human. Take off the attorney hat. How would I feel if this picture just came across from me? Would I want to get this from my uh, professional's assistant? Just, hey, here's a cold email. Boom. There's, we got this today at 430. Or, you know, try to get a hold of me by phone. And I'll tell you what I do. I, I try to get a hold of him by phone and I will actually, if I can't get a hold of him by phone, I'll leave him a voicemail saying, look, I, I got something. I would like to talk to you about it before I send it over. I will also send them an email saying, look, I got something from opposing counsel. We need to talk about it before I send it over. Do you have time to talk about this? Because that way I'm actually fulfilling my duty, letting them know I got something. And mm-hmm. then I'm just telling them, look, it, it's going to be pretty upsetting when you get this. Uh, you know, a prime example I have, beyond this picture, which wasn't my case, I had a case where we got this, it, we, we filed a complaint for divorce. We got this counter complaint for back for divorce. I was representing a stay at home mom who was also homeschooling the children and opposing counsel had sent this counterclaim for divorce back to ask for spousal support, asked her to continue to pay for um, health insurance, just all these things that were not relevant to this case. And man, there was some just terrible allegations in this counter complaint for divorce that I knew would really upset my client. And in looking at the document itself, I noticed that the typeface has changed. So I tried to get a hold of my client and then I even warned her. I said, hey, look, we got this counter complaint for divorce. It's got a lot of bombastic claims in it, but I'm going to give you a heads up. Even the typeface changed because this is a copy and paste job. And I, and I, and I gave her the option. I said, look, we can either talk about it on the phone first or I can email it to you. And she chose to talk about it on the phone first. But just that taking the humanistic approach to say, look, even the typeface has changed here. It's copy and pasted. Don't worry about it. Was so much off of the client's mind. So, you know, Dan, how important do you think it is to take that step back and say, look, I am your attorney, but I'm also a human? Oh, it's very important. I think that uh, allows that relationship to continue to foster and grow between the attorney and the client. And you're developing more of a, a, a trust between the two of you. And then the client hopefully will know my attorney does have my back and they have my best interest and they see me at my worst. And here's what they're going to do. They've been very professional. I, I even suggest taking a step further to when your firm does come into information, communication, video, whatever it is, about a particular client or against an opposing party to keep it within that file, meaning only those who should have access should access it. It's not that you want to go down the hall and say, oh my gosh, look what I got. I got this crazy video of this picture. And and, and you're really, even though the attorney-client privilege is to the attorney and members of the firm, 
in my opinion, you're breaching the, the trust of the client. You're breaching that confidentiality. And, and so you, you need to stay professional. And professional just isn't having that talk or, with the client. It's making sure that those who shouldn't have access to it don't even know about it because it, it, it doesn't help the client out. Now, if you need assistance with something, of course, by all means. But if it's not going to substantially advance the case of the client, then there's no reason to share that information. And then also at the same time, if you have an assistant or a paralegal that's helping out on the case, give them a heads up too, because it could, if it's that offensive, it may offend them. And you need to take into consideration how they're going to be receiving it and what their thoughts are going to be. Yeah, I've absolutely gotten material that was so offensive that I didn't share it with anybody except for my client. And I told the client, to your point, Dan, look, I'm putting this in a password protected file. Only I can see it. And you know, just that little bit of acknowledgement mm -hmm. that this was embarrassing went a long way with that client. The client still talks to me as, as a friend, you know, and, and because you just took that little bit of extra effort. Um, yeah. You know, how do you handle it, 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 Rebecca, when a client comes to you, and Dan brought this up shortly, that they have the bad information against the other side and they desperately want to use it. How do you communicate with the client about that? Sure. So one thing that we have to be really cautious about is how the client obtained the materials that they have. Um, and there are some attorneys out there who have been sanctioned because basically the client went out and got something through means that they shouldn't have. Um, and then the attorney used it as part of their case. And so we do have to be very cautious when we see something that looks like it should be private, confidential. There's some sort of expectation of privacy in that, in that thing, whatever it might be. We want to find out what is the source for this material? Where is it coming from? And if it was obtained through some sort of illicit means, we need to get rid of it. And we need to not include it in any of our preparation or any of the information from it in any of our materials, because otherwise we can be sanctioned as professionals. So that's one thing to be extremely cautious about um, is, is finding out from the client, where did you get it? How did you get access to this? If they are doing something illicit or something they're not supposed to be doing, we need to advise them to stop. <laughs> and we need to usually tell them that in writing. If you're accessing your spouse's email, if you're you know doing something like that, surveilling them in some way that you shouldn't be doing, then we also need to advise them that they need to stop that activity because they could be penalized even criminally for that. Um, and, and then we do whatever we need to do with it from there. So if they have it through means that we're allowed to have the material, then we have to decide if and when and how it can be used as part of our case. And if it's something that's really sensitive, then if it does need to be filed with the court, we probably need to file it what's called under seal which means it's it's not going to be publicly accessible. You can't just walk into the courthouse and, and get a copy of whatever that, that protected thing is. Um, but then do we even necessarily need to file this with the court? Or is this something that we can just kind of let the other side know, hey, we have this. <laughs> you know, if we really want to go down this road, we can produce this at trial. Or maybe we want to revisit settlement conversations or something like that. Um, right. You can certainly use something as a bargaining chip without necessarily putting it in the court's file or sending it back and forth all over emails or, or anything like that. So really, it just depends on the source, what it is, and then and then whether and how you end up needing to use it. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I think that the toughest communication is to have, look, you have this evidence that might be 
the, the nail in the coffin that we need, but we can't use it. And, you know, going to Dan's point, explaining why, you know, taking the effort to explain why, you know, man, you realize if I turn this into a, a court, the other side's going to have a federal lawsuit against you for, you know, doing things over the internet and things like that. We don't want that. Um, you know, so, so I think that that is very important. You know, Dan, how do you handle the communication? Like, or what, what do you consider to be good practice for when you're having communications with an opposing counsel about the case? And this gets a little bit, you know, you want to, what is your stance on sharing those communications and, and how much will you share with the, with the client if, if opposing counsel gets too far off track? I, I, you can break that down to a couple um, ways. One, with the client, I'm always transparent, mm-hmm. regardless of what the opposing party has to say or what they think they have. Uh, but then when I'm talking to the opposing party, I always want to have communication with the client first and mm-hmm. let them know, I'm going to talk to the attorney on the other side. I'm going to try to facilitate settlement and, and, and get a range of what the client is comfortable with and, and just kind of, again, you know, going back to a checklist as far as what makes the most sense and making sure that the client understands, okay, here are the things that are going to be talked about. I'm okay with that. I'm cool with it, but I don't want you to exceed this or, you know, I don't discuss something that's very personal, you know, if, if it's uh, involving a medical condition or, you know, if there's something going on as far as like a sale of a property that has nothing to do with the, the case itself. So you want to try to stay within the parameters, right? But, as long as the client knows in advance, one, you're having those discussions, two, what those substantive discussions are going to be and why you're going to have it, then I, I'm a little bit more open with the opposing party because at the end of the day, if we can facilitate settlement, then that's fine. I will never disclose anything that the other side may not be able to get through discovery. I, I'm not going to do the job for the other attorney. But if it's something that I know just in my experience as a practitioner that, okay, they're going to get that either because some courts have standardized discovery requests, right? And so we know what documents are going to be um, requested or some have uh, where you have to produce documents in advance anyway. And so we know we're going to have to produce like financial. So it doesn't make any sense to kind of hide the ball on that. But absent that, I, I want to move the case forward, but I'm, I'm not going to do the job of the other side because I'm I'm representing my client. But at the same time, I want to be able to get an idea of what the other side is thinking too. And I'll let the client know. I may toe that line a little bit, but that's because I want to know what the other side's response may be, or I want to know what their thoughts are. Because then you and I can go back and discuss and we can craft and draft what we think is a, a fair settlement, but hopefully somewhat advantageous to you. But at the end of the day, if we can settle, I always think that's the best option. Yeah, you know, I'll ask you this question, Rebecca, because I've seen some of the emails that you've received. How do you handle when you get those nasty grams from opposing counsel that your client is the worst person to ever walk on the face of the earth? You're going to send that to the the client, right? But how do you communicate Mm -hmm. with them exactly what's going on? Right. So it's, it's again, just not, not doing the blind forwarding, not just like, boom, here's this, here's this, here's this, because the client is probably thinking, well, we need to respond to, you know, each and every one of these bullet points. And it may be a communication that has absolutely no merit, no reason to respond whatsoever. So sometimes we get letters um, where, where the other side is, is basically just posturing 
-hmm. and going through the facts as they see them. And, you know, your client is so terrible and they're a bad mom and they're a drunk and they're this and they're that. And just like wild all over the place type type of things, because I don't know, they want to just show that this is what their position is or this is how they're arguing court or, or whatever the purpose may be. And so letting the client know this doesn't have any merit. <laughs> this doesn't, this is clearly unsubstantiated. This isn't a courtroom. You know, they're basically just putting their argument down on paper and it, it doesn't really bear any, any meaning for us at this point. And so we can respond to the extent that a response is warranted. Otherwise, we just kind of leave this as it is. And we just let the client know that, that this doesn't carry any weight. This doesn't have any sort of merit to it. This is purely just an exercise by the other side, trying to to fish for something. You know, maybe they're just trying to get us to respond and um, and make some sort of statement they can use against us. But we're not going to play into that, right? And so, letting the client know, like this is this is what it is. This is what we're going to do about it, if anything, maybe nothing. And then that's it. This is just purely for your records, nothing else. Um, and it's hard for someone to not be offended when you read something about yourself that, that said, oh, you're, you know, you drive the kids drunk and you do this and you do that. It's hard not to be like, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, but writing a letter back isn't necessarily going to have any impact in a situation like that. Yeah. You know, in, in being a partner with our clients, I always tell them beforehand, look, this is what's going to happen. We're going to get these nasty gram emails that have no value whatsoever. They're going to come through at 445, 450, 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And I tell them why. Do you want to know why? Because the other attorney knows I don't want to work at 501 on Friday. And they know that I'm going to send you this email. And now I have to work till 530 on Friday. So they're just messing with me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and laying those parameters about communication, right? You know, we talked a little bit about what our clients as a partner with us can expect. You know, for me, part of communications is to let my clients know when I'm going to communicate. You know, if I'm going to be out of town, I say, hey, look, I'm going to be out of town for a week. Or, hey, I'm going to be in court for a few days. Or, hey, look, I'm going to be busy. Let's get something on the calendar for, for next Tuesday or something like that. You know, if you or, or somebody you know is going to divorce and, and you're really looking to understand what's going on, you're looking for a partner in this divorce process. You're looking for somebody that's going to communicate with you about every step of the process and what you need to know. Give us a call and see the difference that a true partner in your case can make for you. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you found this episode helpful and you want more informational content, please be sure to subscribe and join us on all major social media platforms, including YouTube. Stay connected for more exciting updates and tips.